Welcome to the Speak Like a Leader podcast with John Bates. Welcome to the show. With me today is someone that I think you're going to really enjoy hearing from and someone that I thought looked familiar when we talked about having her on the show. And it turns out that we met each other way back in 2009, the first time I went to TED Active. And I think that was probably Tanya's first time. With me today is Tanya Luna. She's the co-founder of Life Labs Learning and the author of The Leader Lab, Core Skills to Become a Great Manager Faster. So, Tanya, thank you for joining us. I know that's your new book, right? The Leader Lab? Yes, I'm so excited for this reunion. It's like a surprise reunion I didn't even know I was having. And yes, right. That's, right. that's the book. <laughs> cool, good. Well, yeah, so, I mean, what a time. Like, let's talk about that for a quick second because, you know, I tell people these days that I went to TED the first time in 2009, but it's just because it's too hard to explain the difference between TED and TED Active. Now, honestly, I think TED Active was kind of like the kids' table for TED. But, yeah. But Kelly <laughs> the Stutz, rowdy kids, like the fun rowdy kids. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, that I mean, lots of people started coming from TED because they heard that TED Active was more fun. Yeah. But. Uh, but it, it, you know, it was run by Ted and Kelly Stetzel, who at that point was the woman who chose all the speakers for Ted, yeah. ran Ted Active and she wanted it to be like a place where people could actually take action on these ideas and meet yeah. each other and do stuff. And, and uh, so she would always tell us, you know, you, you know, you are at Ted, right? This is Ted too, you know, um, yeah. even though we all knew it was the kids table, <laughs> right? <laughs> But it was so fun. And it was for me, that was a real game changer. Like, do, do, do you trace anything for yourself back to that moment, Tanya? Well, what's interesting is uh, so I'm a pretty intense introvert and will ah. would would like pay good money to not have to attend an event. So <laughs> <laughs> that's money. So it's, you know, an unusual thing for me to actually want to go to a place with a bunch of people. I love people. Don't get me wrong. I love one on one conversation. I love small groups. Once it gets to like over five people, my brain starts kind of panicking. Yeah. But but it's weird if I think back. There, this place was a place where I made friends that I don't think I ever would have made. Oh, never. All over the world. Yeah. I still me too. stay in touch with till today. And for me, one of the things that was so exciting about that format is that you know typical TED, <laughs> big big grown up table TED. There's such a, a, a high power distance. It's all about power distance in many yeah. ways. Yeah. And that active really created this space where it felt like we were creating it together. And that's yeah. my frame because yeah. the latest book I'm writing is about distributing power. And so right. much about active was about like this great distribution of power. And I think that's what was so special about it. I, I, you know, Tanya, how, because I noticed that too, but I didn't have your language for it. What I always told people was like, I get the feeling that 99% of the people at Ted active felt like they got in on a, like maybe a clerical error and, <laughs> you know, and, and everybody else there was smarter and better and everything. So it's one of the few places I've ever been where everybody thought everybody else just might be smarter than they were. 
And so it was so great. It was so great. I'm like, how could we create that on a regular basis, you know? Well, it's so funny that you say that because the exact thing you just said is something that, so at the company that I co-founded now, I'm chair of called Life Labs Learning, we do manager and team training. One of the things that I always hear from our own team is, how did I get into this company? Everyone here seems so much smarter than me. And everyone says it. Perfect. And so I wonder if there is something to a dedication to like, we're co-creating together versus there are, you know, the, like the sage on the stage people. And then the people in the audience, like there's something about this, like we're doing it together that creates this beautiful combination of excitement to be a part of a thing and humility that keeps you, you know, wanting to be a part of it versus feeling like you're better than. Well, so now for everybody that's listening and for you, Tanya, I just want to point out that hopefully no one will throw rotten tomatoes at me for saying this, but I think you have a, you have a double superpower. And if you're listening and you're like, Tanya, I think you have a double superpower too. And how I would identify it is number one, you are an introvert. Right. Because you don't have that great temptation to get up on, be the sage on the stage. Like you don't want those people to notice you just rather like much rather co-create something, be a part of it, keep it feeling intimate. So that's one superpower. And the second superpower that I have committed myself to talking more about lately, and I just went to India and talked about something similar to 700,000 people, but that's a whole other story. Um, That was insane. That was totally crazy. It was like, madness you know i don't know if you've ever been to india but it sort of starts out on the verge of madness and then we just descended right into it but yeah i got to teach in india and it was one of the most amazing experiences which we can totally talk about and a lot of that also has to do with a sense of humility and eagerness to learn and yeah this like i know better than than mindset but yes please well, please go so on. here's the second the, the second superpower and i'm preparing for the digital rotten tomatoes yeah, no, hopefully there won't be any. I just, but it is a generalization. So in the gen, in the bell curve of experience, yeah, I think because you're a woman, you are better at having that we attitude as well. Mm-hmm. I just, I've gotten really obvious to me that in the bell curve of my experience of female leaders, they're much better at sharing, not all, not all, but they're much better in general at sharing that, that, you know, we did this together. Yeah. I mean, we're socialized to be communal, most of us. Yeah. So like the definition of leadership is less about what's in it for me and more about what's in it for us. Yeah. Which I think is a great thing for leaders, right? Like I, whatever. Hey, I'll take any advantage I can get. If I I can flip some of the disadvantages into advantages, I'm game. Because yes, there are disadvantages too, right? But but yeah, no, I think the I because you know that that's what stands out for me. You know, I you know I'm starting to some days feel jealous that I'm not more of an introvert. You know, I'm like maybe I'd be more successful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I feel like you know if I if I think about the people even within my company who are passionate advocates of kind of this co-created approach, mm-hmm. I think there's a pretty decent balance of introvert and extrovert. Uh, I agree that that I've probably everything I do is probably an elaborate coping mechanism to not <laughs> front and center. And I just figured out a way to make it work. But but I think it's just a matter of how you use that strength. It's it's more, I think, about the 
the value. And yeah. if you have this value of, hey, I want to make any group that I'm a part of stronger versus I want to be stronger than any group that I'm a part of, mm, then as good. an introvert, you know, there's a way to do that. And as an extrovert, there's probably a different way to do that. But yeah. I, I, I think there's hope for you. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad. As a male intro, uh, extrovert. I'm so uh, yeah, sorry. here I am. Everything <laughs> opposite. Um, yeah. So listen, let me go for the just the first most obvious question, oh. because I read the title of your new book, The Leader Lab, Core Skills to Become a Great Manager Faster. Mm. And I know that out there on the interwebs, you know, people love to make this distinction of like leaders are somehow better and managers are somehow not as cool. And what? And yeah. are you a manager or are you a leader? And I kind of have always thought that was a pretty dumb distinction, but what would yeah. you say about that since it's right there in your title? Yeah, I'm kind of over it, honestly. There are <laughs> so many distinctions of, well, a leader does this and a manager does this. You know, we went for the term manager because it tends to be the job title. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's pilot training, there's surgeon training. There's very little, very good quality manager training. And I think of it as, you know, for better or worse, I, it's the job title that people with leadership responsibilities are given. I think there's lots of other title options. We actually yes. within Life Labs Learning don't even use the word manager because the word manager to me feels like it, it has too much of a connotation of control. Um, right. So we put a lot of effort into saying, hey, as a manager, it's not that you're managing people. It's not that you're controlling people. You don't manage people, you manage conditions. You manage the environment that people That's are in good. to be able oh. to bring out the best in them, ideally. I don't know about you, but I've never enjoyed being managed or feeling managed. No, I no, like managing no. Myself, so, yeah, yeah. The word that comes right before that is micro. Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So for, so we went with manager because it, it tends to be the title. Um, and I would also say that leadership uh, is something that you can do regardless of what your title is and something oh. increasingly we're seeing across organizations that uh, everyone has to do. And so... Yeah you know, it's the distinction between leadership as the set of skills and behaviors and manager as the job title. Yeah, good. Well, so, I mean, and I definitely agree with you. Like one of the things I always remind people of in my trainings is you are a leader. Like yeah. don't like, there's no question here over here with me about you. You are a leader. My only question is, it doesn't matter where you are in the hierarchy. My only question is, are you aware that you're a leader right. and what a powerful leader you are. And are you leading people in the direction you mean to be leading them in? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there used to be this distinction of like, well, leaders lead people in the realm of the unknown and managers manage the known and the predictable. Right. I'm like, really? Uh -huh. Is anything known and predictable these days anymore? Let's get out of this, like, <laughs> you know, myth that anything is controllable and predictable. We're all in a space where we have to be leading. Some of us are just doing it formally. Some of us are doing it informally. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. The illusion of control, right? Yeah, that's over. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, so this show is speak like a leader and i wonder if you've got any particular thoughts you know out of the life labs and and your your leader lab about communication in particular like oh my you, gosh so many i mean so much of leadership is in how you get the message to land and and really i, I think so much about the message ending with the receiver 
yeah. often as leaders, we're like, what do I want to say? It's <laughs> like 20% of it, 80% yeah. of it is how are you going to get it to land? Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so a lot of what we do at Life Labs Learning and what the book, the Leader Lab is based on is our research on what is it that great leaders and managers are doing differently. And if I think about when it comes to communication, there's probably three things that stand out most of all. One is what we call linking up. So what we notice about great leaders, whether formal or informal, is that they will always, whenever they're saying, hey, I, I need you to do this thing, or this decision was made, or here's a piece of information, whatever it is, they follow that with a link up to why that matters. So, and here's why we came to this conclusion, or here's why this matters, or here's the reasoning behind it. So it's this, I think about, I think about it as like, relying on context versus control so much of kind of traditional leadership is just about directives i'm telling you what to do and so much about effective modern day leadership is about that transparency into context not just here's what i want but here's why this thing matters the link up so tanya we are talking while the war of aggression waged by russia in ukraine is is just raging on i'm from ukraine What's that? I'm I was I'm from Ukraine, so that's, you are. Well, I've been, I've been watching that whole other experience. Yeah, I'm so sorry, and I've been watching that really, really closely. And I I'm, I apologize for talking over you. I, oh gosh, not at it's all. It's a little hard on the you know when there's. I a, come from like, a everyone talks at the same time culture, so okay, <laughs> to me that's a sign of a good conversation. Well, I, I mean, I'm pulling for Ukraine, which is probably obvious, and I'm paying you know, maybe too much attention to it. And I've been donating and doing whatever I think I can. I think it's way more important than most people realize. But to go back to to your point, one of the things that we've seen just unequivocally in that war is the difference between a top down lack of context command structure versus that what what Ukraine is doing, which was much more a U.S. slash NATO style, where the whole point for U.S. and NATO command is to give people an idea of commander's intent is what Mm. they call it. Right. Mm. It's not just go take that hill. It's like go take that hill because here's what we need to accomplish. Right. And when people understand what we need to accomplish, they don't just go die on that hill for a stupid reason. If they hit, you know, really big resistance on that hill and they can just do some other thing. Right. Right. Make a good independent agile decision without that context. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really fascinating and, uh, and, and perfect parallel to what we're seeing even on the micro level on the leadership side. And I think it's right. because, you know, going back to the fact that like <laughs> things have just been changing so quickly and the future is not going to look like our past. Mm-mm. And that's always been the case, but I think we've also, we're, we're accepting it more now. The command and control approach seems much quicker and more efficient on the surface. Right. Because right. I can tell you what to do and then you don't question it and you just go ahead and do it. Right. First of all, that's not going to stick around too long when you have a bunch of people who have strong opinions and perspectives and have the power and the autonomy to challenge it. Right. But even if people are not going to challenge it, to your point, do you really want people to mindlessly follow 
a directive that probably won't be any good <laughs> like like two, five minutes from now like five right yeah from now, exactly totally. so so we just we have to be so much more resilient so much more um you know active back to ted versus ted active right you have to we have to all be co-creating this reality that we're in and that means that context is going to be a much much stronger more helpful and also much more motivating and uplifting yeah form of leadership than an attempt to control yeah. And so the, the micro behavior, that's what we get excited about life labs learning. Cause it's one thing to be like, give people your intent, share the reasoning and that people like buy into it. They believe in it, but then they're like, but how do I actually do it? And so we train people on making link up statements. So literally right. saying, uh, here's my request. Here's why this matters. Or, uh, here's my feedback. The reason I'm sharing this is, or the impact of that behavior that I'm seeing is so just constantly, constantly, constantly doing that link up practice that, that I would say is number one. I, can I love that. I think that's just fabulous. And if that's a, so that is, I, I think a leadership habit worth developing, <laughs> you know, like yellow stickies everywhere. everywhere you, link you know, up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we actually, well, I'll notice actually, like when we teach these in, in live workshops or, you know, we, we have digital tools and things like that as well. But one of the things we, we really try to focus on within our training is making the tool feel very tangible. So yeah. you can't see this as you're listening, but you know, I'm like moving my finger up to link up and I'll link see up, like yeah. in the workshops, people will literally, as they're talking, move their finger up. And I right. think it's so important to get down to something so tangible and so concrete so it's that your brain idea. is like, got it, link up. Have I done yeah. that, that link up yet? Yeah. So that's one. Should I go on and, and share? Oh, some please. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. I said three, but I'm lying. I can share way more, but I'll, I'll try. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. The next one I'll say is if we look at what great leaders do differently, usually when you think leadership and you think communication, you think of statements that end in periods. But actually, when we study great leaders, the majority of their statements end in question marks. And so the the, the kind of micro aspect of that is asking more questions. Uh, when we look at even um, a 15 minute interval of an individual speaking to their direct report or a team member one-on-one, -on -one, when we look at actually pop quiz for you, if you were to predict, let's say in the US, 15 minute interval, how many questions would you think the typical person with a manager role would ask in a 15 minute interval? I mean, <laughs> you know, if I, I probably, one or none. Oh, good. You're close. Two. So on average, two. Okay. Two. All right. When we look at individuals who are rated within their organizations as most effective managers, do you want to guess what that number is? I mean, it must go. It must be double or triple, like so six or eight ten. or ten. Yeah. Ten questions in a fifteen-minute interval, and sometimes that question is what we call a playback. Like, this is what I think you said. Is that right? Like, did I get yeah. that correctly? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's I like love playbacks. Micro question. Playbacks are wonderful. It's a whole other communication skill I can talk uh -huh. about forever. <laughs> but question skills, so much of leadership these days is actually being able to ask instead of tell. Uh, and I can go on and on. I mean, truly, I can talk for hours just about the power of questions. But at the heart of it, the most powerful type of question is a question that increases the capacity of the individual that you're speaking with. So I'm not asking so that I can learn. I'm asking so that the individual that I'm giving the question to can expand their own thinking and can expand right. their own capacity to solve problems. And that's something that we see great leaders do very differently. And it's, it's, it's obvious when you start to look at it.
So it's kind of the Socratic method questioning. Uh, yes, and and I, but I think what's important is oftentimes when people hear Socratic method, I don't actually think this is how Socrates meant it because Socrates yeah. would ask very genuine questions. Right. But I think oftentimes people ask questions and they're like leading questions. Right. So right. I know the answer and I'm going to ask you a question and you're going to figure it out. Right. And you're going to know what, what I know. But yeah. what's different about these great leaders is they're asking very genuine questions that they themselves are willing to not have an attached answer to. So right. that the individual they're asking has this opportunity to kind of expand and shift their way of thinking. Yeah, great, great clarification. Probably that's more what Socrates really was meaning and doing, right? I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. I, 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 it, yeah, because there's this feeling of kind of a collective wonder of let's yeah. figure this thing out together. I like that collective wonder. All right. So <laughs> what's number three? Okay, I will go with what we call de-blurring. Um, and by the way, I, I was talking before about the link up and making it physical, the the sort of physical um, tip or term that we use for defaulting to questions, we call it a Q-step. So the first step you take when someone asks you a question, when someone comes to you with a critique, with a problem, is to make your first step a question. So Q-step. So you've okay. got link up, Q-step, and then the last one I'll share is what we call de-blurring. So much of communication, especially when you're communicating across distance, across diversity of backgrounds and perspectives and cultures and languages and things like that, so much of communication just simply gets very blurry, meaning, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm seeing one thing, you're looking at it, you're seeing another thing, or maybe we're both looking at it and we're sort of like, well, I'm not sure it's a little bit blurry, but I'm just going to run with it. Right. We're just seeing that that causes so many problems down the line because, Within those blur words, you know, is bias lurks within there, confusion lurks within there, um, miscommunication lurks within there. And so, again, it takes a little bit of extra time to to link up, to Q-step, to de-blur. But once you take the time to go, hang on, you just said that we have to get this done as quickly as possible. Just to make sure I understand, what does as quickly as possible mean to you? Or maybe you're saying something like, we have to scale our services. Got it. Let's focus on scaling our services just so that we're on the same page. What's an example of how that would look? How will we measure scaling? So right. as a leader, being the kind of the the person looking out for those blur words that are floating around in there and just right. pausing to ask to, to Q-step and then go just to make sure that we're actually operating and, you know, using the same language, that the message is landing correctly with the receiver. What do these words mean and how are we measuring them? How will we make them crystal clear? Yeah. That's fabulous. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, you know, I just had a guest on um, j the last one we recorded and, and she said something I thought was really brilliant. She said that uh, like all problems in organizations are just unhad conversations. Ugh, like they're conversations so well that should have happened, right? And like that conversation to de-blur what we were even talking about, right? That yeah. didn't happen. And now now we're all messed up I around it, right? How often I hear people say, like, complain about someone not understanding them or complain about, you know, not understanding someone. And I just go, well, what questions did you ask? Or yeah. how did you try to de-blur it? And they're like, oh, I didn't. I'm like, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the simple stuff that, you know, we're just not taught these things. So it, it requires that muscle memory to do it again and again so that it starts to come more naturally. 
Well, and the first one you said, or, sorry, the the somewhere earlier you said something about um, something that, well, anyway, I didn't get a note about it, but you said something that triggers something for me from my work. One of the things I realized a long time ago is that I was really, really self-righteous about being responsible for what I said, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm responsible for what I say, which meant really I was checking the box. I told you so all the time, right? Mm, but when I'm checked the box, I told you so I, that means I didn't get what I actually wanted, right? Like it didn't work. <laughs> so well, I'm saying, well, I told you so. The message ends with the receiver. <laughs> Right. So that, yeah. so I got like, oh, wow, I'm stopping early. I could not only be responsible for what I say, I could be responsible for what they hear. Mm. And when I started trying to check the box over there of I, I, I landed it versus I told you so. Yeah. Checking the box, I landed it, man. My results totally changed. You oh, know? I love that shift. Yeah. Yeah, and you hear this from leaders all the time. People saying things like, oh, but I've already told people this. <laughs> yeah, but did like, they hear you? Yeah, right? Yeah. Just because I think I was clear doesn't mean that I was. Right. Well, and, and I, I've heard the saying somewhere that like, ultimately, communication is what is is what happened over there. It doesn't yeah. matter what you said, right, or what you thought. Communication is actually what happens over there. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think also we can be more transparent about the fact that you know communication involves both parties it's a relationship right it's, yes. a, it's a dynamic experience one of the metaphors that we sometimes use within life ops learning is there's a shipping department and there's a receiving department when it comes to the message right so i could have yeah. done a really good job shipping my message but someone still has to receive that message and if they right. didn't receive it as the shipper I can't just be like, well, too bad you didn't receive it. And as the person <laughs> yeah. who didn't receive it, I also can't be like, well, too bad you didn't send it. Right. So ideally, and this is where this idea of everyone has to take some responsibility for leadership is so, so important because it yeah. also can't just be on one individual to be responsible for sending and for making sure it lands. But right. at least I can, as a leader, I can put in the effort to check, did it land? And hey, can we work together to figure out how can I get these messages to you? in a way that is helpful and productive and what can you do on your part to be able to ask me questions and pull from me the information that you need because it's got to be so much more collaborative than we've ever seen in our history of working together before yeah boy amen like it's all just going so much faster and so much i mean if there ever if there you know if there ever was control it's gone now, right? The, it's it's truly the illusion of control these days. But I think it could be such an exciting thing if we just kind of dive deep into that, you know? Yeah. Like, yes, there's something that feels more maybe comforting or soothing about control but you mentioned earlier <laughs> surf and maybe surfing has gotten you into a little bit of a little bit of trouble lately but you know the i'm guessing i've never surfed but i've watched i've watched from a safe yeah, distance yeah. it seems like the joy of it in many ways is the unpredictability is yeah. is the joy of what's going to happen and let me figure out how to adjust to it in the moment versus predict exactly what's going to happen. And that's an exciting way to live if we have the skills for it. Well, you know, it's funny that you'd say that because I totally agree with you. And one of the things that I realized a few years ago is that I think mostly people misinterpret what surfers mean when they say go with the flow. Oh, can you say more about that? Yeah. So 
I think that from outside, go with the flow sounds kind of like whatever, you know, like, oh, yeah, let it happen. Right. So I'll I'll tell you what, when you're out there in like double overhead waves and you're trying to catch one of those puppies and not get killed, you cannot control the ocean. Right. Like you fight the ocean, you lose, period. That's just no question about that. So you are completely on some level at the mercy of the elements and the Mm -hmm. ocean. And you're just trying to be in this very, very specifically small place where you're able to catch the wave. You're not going to get thrown over by it Mm -hmm. and it's not going to just pass you by. So it's a really small area you're trying to be in and all kinds of stuff is going on. And you just kind of have to go with the flow, you know, but it takes totally relaxing in some moments. And then it takes scrambling like crazy in other moments. And all of that is going with the flow, you know, yeah, so it's it's yeah. not as passive as it sounds. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not like you're like uh, you're sort of like floating like a relaxed starfish yeah. on the water. Just exactly. Yeah, yeah. So going with the flow, there's an intensity and a skill and a determination to it, but it starts with the acceptance that the flow is more powerful and completely out of your control. Well said, yes, yeah, well said. And I guess with surfing, it's a feature of the experience versus a bug. Whereas, yeah, totally. <laughs> right? yes. like, you, like, I don't know, you're probably not gonna be like, let me surf through this completely predictable wave if that was even a possibility. I mean, mm. maybe for learning, but I imagine that that kills the joy and the, and the thrill of it. And I think, you know, in our in our business lives or wherever, as a listener, you are a leader, looking at uncertainty and unpredictability as a feature versus a bug could open up a whole new way of looking at things. And then we get yeah. to rebuild how we are as leaders. We get to rebuild how our businesses respond to those waves that are outside of our control and more powerful and learn to ride them versus, you know, getting a bunch of sand up your nose over and over. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. I think you're totally right. I mean, and in that in that um, having unpredictability be a feature means there's all kinds of opportunity, right? Because like, you know, hey, watch for the uncertainty. Let's fill in those gaps that, that make sense for us. And which I think goes back to, you know, talking like a leader. It's so much more about the conversation that goes both ways. And that's Mm -hmm. part of the skill and it's part of the joy of it. It's okay, I can take responsibility for linking up and Q-stepping, asking good questions, de-blurring, but that's only exciting to use as a skill set when I'm in this dynamic back and forth conversation with others because what I ask and what I say will inform what they say. And then hopefully I'm listening and absorbing that. And we're co-creating something back to where we started with Ted Active. We're co-creating something. And that's what is, I think, most exciting about being a leader today. You get to be a part of being a catalyst of this unpredictable thing versus trying to manage something that is, uh, you know, if you succeed, things work out as you expected. That's no fun. <laughs> you <You're know>? right. <laughs> like, ideally, you succeed and you help bring to life something better than you could have imagined. Yeah, I love that. So, Tanya, we, we only have about five more minutes left, I think. Is there anything that I didn't bring up that you would like to talk about? Like, l- let me let you steer for a minute. Oh, gosh, uh, I, I wasn't expecting this turn in the conversation. Um, okay. Yes, fine. <laughs> unexpected. 
Um, I'll, I'll take advantage of this to get up on my little soapbox. <laughs> please. Before. Yeah, please. Um, one of the things that uh, I, I briefly mentioned before is you, you talked about the difference between leader and manager. And I was saying, you know, we expect training for pilots. We expect training for surgeons. But managers, leaders are the result of doing this job poorly the stakes are incredibly high. It's people's quality of life. It's the success of a business. It's people's finances. Uh, you know, scary stuff if you get it wrong. And there's so much pressure these days on leaders to be good, to be effective. Uh, and I, I really think part of the conversation that's missing is, but how do we help leaders develop those skills? How do we start treating it like a craft versus like a talent or like something that you're supposed to figure out through experience alone. Um, I get really frustrated when I hear people talking about leadership as something you just have to learn on the job. Like why do you do that for, you know, any other high stakes profession? Of right. course, experience is lovely, but we need incredibly well-guided experience so that we can actually learn from those experiences. Otherwise, experience is a really crap teacher. You know, I, I could be a leader. We see this all the time in our in our workshop. Someone has been a leader for 10, 20 years and they don't recognize what their own weaknesses are because right. there isn't the immediate feedback. There isn't, yeah, maybe people are quitting, but you don't know which of the things you did at what point, maybe three months ago, resulted in them quitting today. Right. Uh, and that there doesn't seem to be a correlation between how many years someone has been in a leadership role and how effective they are as a leader. So, yeah, yeah I guess my my little soapbox speech is experience is not alone is not enough. Uh, and learning on the job is too risky. And really, I think that's why it's so important, the work that you're doing to be able to break down what are the skills and the tools and the tactics that leaders need and for organizations to really invest in those skills as a must have versus a nice to have, because the dangers of hoping to figure it out as you go along are just too high. Amen, sister. Like I <laughs> totally agree with you. And you know, one of the things that I, that I think about a lot because I, I was not always really coachable, you know, mm -hmm. I, I kind of thought I knew better and whatever. And then I realized that in high school, I had just a tremendously successful four years in public speaking and debate. Mm. And when I looked back and thought about why that was, I realized it had very little to do with me. I had a really fabulous public speaking coach in high school mm. at my public high school in Salt Lake City, Utah, you know, wow. at East High. And I also, he was totally bonkers. The guy was just insane, but he loved us and he would do mm. anything for us. So I did anything he asked, right? So purely by accident, purely by accident, I had a great coach mm. and I was coachable, mm. right? And if you look at it, that's how anybody that's really good at stuff does it. Tiger Woods, right? He had multiple coaches. Mm. None of his coaches could beat him at golf or they would have, but together they had him because he was coachable, yeah. beat pretty much everybody forever, it seemed like, anywhere yeah. you know now why would we do that in golf right and not and not do that for leaders right when what you just said is so true there's so much at stake quality of life success of the company the finances all the pressure on leaders and yet we expect them to oh well you know figure it out yeah right no, 
Really? Yeah. Right? Really? Yeah. You want to leave it to that? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I couldn't I agree more. That. And I, I love the, the golf metaphor. No offense to anyone. I also don't want to get hit with rotten tomatoes. I don't know why your listeners just have like rotten tomatoes. They got a basket to keep me honest here. Keep, keep <laughs> yeah, me, you know. um, yes, golf, I'm sure, you know, very important. However, if you're putting in more effort into training people to play a sport than helping people develop in something that plays a role. And, you know, the experience yeah. that I have at work is also going to trickle into the experience I have in my personal life and my relationships everywhere. with my family and, and everywhere. So yeah, let's, let's take it seriously. And if you're listening, you already agree with this. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, so Tanya, I, it's been a total blast and we kind of had a short moment here. Um, I think we'll have to get together and maybe do part two of this down the road Love a little that. bit. That sounds um, good. any, any final words? I, if you're listening and you're thinking this is up your alley, Life Labs Learning is where we do training for managers, for teams. And my most recent book is called The Leader Lab. Check it out. We dive into the research and we go into those behavioral units that I talked about, link yep. up, de-blur, Q-step, things like that. And, you know, part, part of our goal is to make these skills as accessible as possible so that it's not that a small number of people have leadership skills. These are the skills that we all need today. So check it Fabulous. out. Reach out if you have any questions. Great. And we will put all the all of your links in the show notes. So if you're listening, those are in the show notes. But Tanya, tell us again, your best URL is? I'd go to lifelabslearning.com. And if you want to follow my writing or, or any other things that I'm working on, it's Tanya, T-A-N-I-A, Luna, L-U-N-A dot com. Fabulous. Great. Okay. We're going to make sure we include all that links to your book and everything. I think what you're doing is fabulous. It's really great to see you again. Same here. What an unexpected and delightful reunion. If you're listening, yeah. go and reunite with someone today. That is your mini mission. Find yeah, someone you a... haven't talked to in 10 years and just say hi. And reach out. Be, it's going to be so fun. Yeah, good. Well, and listen, um, you know, offline, we'll have to, I'll have to reconnect you with all the people I'm still in touch. And I'd love for you to just say hello to the people you're still in touch with for me. And, uh, and thanks for joining us, Tanya. Thank you. And to you listening, thank you for joining us as well. If you like the show, please share it with a friend or two. And if you would be willing to give us a five-star rating and some nice comments, that would help other people find the show. And go check out all of Tanya's work because I think it's brilliant and I think you'll love it. And until next time, thank you for joining us here on speaklikealeader.show. Thank you for joining the Speak Like a Leader podcast. Go be awesome.